Hello, friend. I am so grateful you're here. Welcome to the Today I Am in a Podcast Season 3. This season, we're taking time to better understand who the women in the New Testament are and their experiences. We will learn more of them, their stories, and how Jesus Christ tutored their lives. We will learn more about how much Jesus Christ loves women. I am so thrilled to have you here today. We are discussing Matthew 3, Mark 1, and Luke 3 this week. So we're going to start off all three of these chapters have one common story, and that is the baptizing, um, Jesus' baptism, excuse me. In the account in Matthew, it's written in verse 16 that Jesus came, when he was baptized, he went up straightway out of the water, which indicates that he was immersed in the water. This is what we do in our church, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. It's something that we continue to do is the restored church that Jesus Christ taught on the earth. And so we too believe in baptism by immersion. Next, we we read about in all three chapters, slightly different verbiage about how the spirit of God descended like a dove is the way Matthew describes it. And in Luke, let's see, Luke 3. Sorry, I need to find it in my scriptures really quick while we read about it. And the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove unto him. And then in Mark 1, again, they're all a little different. And straightway coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens open and the spirit like a dove descending upon him. They're all consistent that it was the spirit or the Holy Ghost that appeared in the form of a dove. And so the spirit of God appears as a dove and descends on to Jesus Christ. And there was uh, one of the books I was reading. I'll make sure to link it in the show notes. I just don't want to get the name of the book wrong. But they were indicating that in these, they all say that, uh, well, one of them, let's see. I think it was Mark just said, and it descending upon him, almost like the Holy Ghost, like filled him physically. You could see him. Um, see the spirit in Jesus Christ. Um, but I love how Luke describes it in verse 22, that it's a bodily shape like a dove, almost like we know that he's not a dove, right? We know the spirit isn't a dove, but that in this instance, he was in that bodily form. And then the last thing that's consistent with all of them is that there came a voice from heaven saying, uh, Mark says, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And let's see, I actually love Matthew 3 has a ton of JSTs. Don't ignore the JSTs. They are so good and they're important because it changes what it says. So for instance, in Matthew 3, 17, it just right in the chapter says, and lo, a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. But then the JST says, and lo, he heard a voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. I love that edition. Hear ye him. I think that's so beautiful. And he heard in verse 46, 
is actually talking about John because in 45 of Matthew 3 of the JST, it says, John saw and lo, the heavens were open unto him and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon Jesus. And lo, he heard the voice from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. And it's interesting because in Mark, it says, thou art my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And in Matthew, the JST, it says, this is my beloved son. So in one chapter, it sounds like Heavenly Father is speaking to Jesus Christ. Where in this one, John hears a voice saying, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. So it's interesting to uh, be reading these at the same time and see the differences that are occurring. And then in Luke, it says, and the Holy Ghost descended in a bodily shape like a dove and a voice came from heaven, which said, thou art my beloved son in thee, I am well pleased. So the wording is slightly different in all of them. But I think what we can get from these verses is that Jesus was baptized, immersed in the water. The Holy Ghost appears in the form of a dove coming from heaven. And the voice of Heavenly Father is introducing his son or talking to his son. And he is well pleased with his son. And I love that the New Testament has these three things in there. They are not one being. We learn from these scriptures right here that there's Jesus Christ being baptized and the Holy Ghost even appears appears in a different form to separate him from Jesus Christ. And then we only hear the voice of Heavenly Father introducing his son, right? It's They have to be three separate beings. This is a great example of that. So I, I love the JST that's given in Matthew. And it's important. There's a lot of JSTs actually. And sometimes I like to read the JST and then kind of go through and read what's said. Just And in the JSTs, it's great because what is different is in italics. And so you can always tell what is different in them. Uh, so it's 15, Matthew 3, 15, where the JST for that starts. But I just love that Heavenly Father says, hear ye him. Just think about that for a minute. How are you taking time each day to hear him? One thought that came to my mind was President Nelson said in general conference, his general conference talk on Sunday uh, morning, October 22, he said, my plea to you this morning is to find rest from the intensity, uncertainty, and anguish in this world by overcoming the world through your covenants with God. Let him know through your prayer and your actions that you are serious about overcoming the world. Ask him to enlighten your mind and send the help you need. Each day, record the thoughts that come to you as you pray. Then follow through diligently. Spend more time in the temple and seek to understand how the temple teaches you to rise above this fallen world. I think one of the greatest ways that we can learn to hear the Savior is to listen to our prophets, to read the scriptures, read this modern day revelation that we're receiving, and then follow through with those things that they're asking us to do to pray, record your thoughts, be sincere, follow through with the promptings you receive, spend more time in the temple and seek to understand how the temple teaches you to rise above the fallen world because we live in a very fallen world and it's just 
falling more and it will until Jesus Christ comes again. And so President Nelson has said over and over that it's essential that we learn to hear him. So I love that in Matthew 3, the Joseph Smith translation, it says, hear ye him, that that is what our Heavenly Father has asked us to do. So we are going to jump to Luke. We're just kind of going to be between them. And since I'm using paper scriptures, it's going to take me a second to, to get there. But in Luke 3, we're going to talk about verse 14 for a minute. I just really like this verse. It says, And the soldiers likewise demanded of him, saying, And what shall we do? And he said unto them, Do violence to no man, neither accuse any falsely, and be content with your wages. There is a JST in there that does go back to the appendix. This verse does say pretty similar, though. So, uh, in the previous verses, we've been learning about John the Baptist. It goes through and it does talk about John the Baptist and that he'd been preaching and baptizing. And they are asking him, like, what shall we do? And I love this question. It reminded me, actually, of the rich young man that, of course, we haven't talked about yet in the New Testament. Come follow me. But he asked Jesus, what lack what lack I? You know, I've done all these things. I'm doing all these things. But what, what else do I need to do? And I think one of the main things that we can take away, even from our most recent address from the prophet, is that we need to hear him. And taking time out of this busy life that we feel like we have to go, go, go and do all the things and be perfect and do all the things. I think we need to just sit in stillness and ask, what lack I yet? or And what shall I do? Sometimes the answer is going to be really small and really simple. And it might actually be just staying still every day. Sometimes the answer might be like huge and you, an answer to prayer you've sought for years, but we have to take time to ask him what we need to do, what he needs us to do, what we lack, and then actually learn how to do that and how to hear him and how to seek for those answers, because that's when we are going to become closer to our Savior, Jesus Christ. So Mark, Mark 1, this is the first chapter we've read in Mark, and I am loving it. He starts off just with a bang. So after Jesus is baptized, we find out that John is put in prison. And then Jesus goes to Galilee, and he uh, well, he is gone for 40 days. There's a, there's a, several JSTs in here. Most of them in Mark, I think, are just small, written in the footnotes. But he goes for 40 days. He's tempted by Satan. That's all it says. It doesn't go into detail yet of that. And the angels ministered unto him. And then in verse 16, he walks by the Sea of Galilee and finds Simon and Andrew, who are brothers, and they're casting their nets because they're fishers. And Jesus invites them to follow me. He said, come ye after me and I will make you fishers of men. And uh, sorry, if there's piano in the background, my children are home from school today. So, and, but then verse 18 says, and straightway they forsook their nets and followed him. They forsook their nets. They straightway followed him. This is just like the shepherds. They left their sheep and they went and found Jesus. 
They were willing to leave their livelihood and go follow Jesus straight away, right away. I I just, I love that. And then he goes a little further, it says, and he gets James and John, their brothers also, and they are mending ship nets. And he said unto them, like, come with me. And they went into Capernaum straightway on the Sabbath day, and he entered into the synagogues and taught. So these four men leave straightway. They're they're mending nets and they're fishing and they're helping things. And James and John, their father does have hired servants. So they don't just like leave him up to mend all the nets and fish alone, but they still leave straight away. They leave their comfortable life and follow Jesus. And Jesus has these four and they go to Capernaum and they go into the synagogue and he teaches them. And they haven't heard anything like this before. The scripture says that they're astonished at his words and at his authority. He's astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one that had authority and not as the scribes. So they could tell there was a difference in the way that he was teaching them. And then uh, we find out that there's a man that has unclean spirits in him. And he's crying out. And in verse 25, it says, Jesus rebuked him saying, hold thy peace and come out of him. And when the unclean spirits had torn him and cried with a loud voice, he came out of him. Then verse 27 says, and they were all amazed insomuch that they questioned among themselves saying, what thing is this? What new doctrine is this? For with authority commandeth he even the unclean spirits and they do obey. And immediately his fame spread abroad throughout all the region about Galilee. So he does this one miracle. He casts this devil out of this man and immediately his fame is spread. And it's, he's known throughout Galilee. So in verse 29, it says that they enter the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. And Simon's mother-in-law is there sick with a terrible fever and I imagine maybe after, I don't know. We don't know how much interaction I guess they had before this of seeing miracles, but if that was the first thing that they did, I, I wonder if Simon was like, my mother-in-law is very sick. Can you come and help her? So they went and saw Simon's mother-in-law she was sick with fever and he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and immediately her fever left her and she ministered unto them. And they, even when the sun did set, they brought unto him all that were diseased and them that were possessed with devils and all the city was gathered together at the door. So let's talk about Simon's mother-in-law for just a minute. She was sick with his fever and immediately her fever was gone. But what does she do next? She, she goes and she ministers. The fever left her and she ministered unto them. It sounds to me like she started ministering to the people in the room. There, There's a lot of recorded miracles, even in this chapter, we're going to keep going because there's still more that Jesus does that he says, don't go, don't go tell anyone. And it's because his full ministry wasn't underway. He wasn't ready for everyone to know all the things yet. And, but it seems like the mother-in-law gets well and her first inclination is to minister to these people. And to teach, teach them maybe her testimony or testify 
that of what the savior had just done, even if they had been there. So it's, it's just kind of interesting, like that we get a little glimpse into Simon's life. We know he was married. We know his mother-in-law was living with them, right? Because they go to the house of Simon. And so it's fun just to hear a little bit. And this story does come up again in uh, at least Luke. I'm not sure about Matthew, but we, we should come to it fairly soon. So he heals mother-in-law and then the sun was set and all these people just started coming to him. So he healed many that were sick with diverse diseases, cast out, suffered not that the devil shall speak because they knew him. So then the next day in the morning, he rose up a great while before day and he went out and departed into the solitary place and there prayed. Have you ever wondered what Jesus's morning routine looked like? For at least one day, it was that he got up great a great while before day. So he got up early and he goes and finds a solitary place to pray. I imagine with all the people that he had flocking to him, it was probably a little overwhelming. And I wonder if he went to just go pray for a little bit more power, for added strength to heal people, for clarity on where to go that day or who to find, or if there was someone he needed to help. I wonder what that prayer was like. Have you ever taken the opportunity to pray in a quiet place, maybe early in the morning where you could really pour out your heart and gratitude or for help or clarity or strength? I think it's interesting to learn this principle straight from the Savior's example of finding a quiet place to pour your heart out and even waking up early in the morning. I love my house early in the morning. First thing, it's my favorite place because no one is stirring and it's just peaceful and quiet. And I can just, I, to me, the spirit is just, just like lingers in the air and it's so nice and peaceful. I just love it. So the next verse, I don't know, hopefully it lasted a little while for him, but then Simon finds him, um, They follow after him. And when they had found him, they said unto him, all men seek for thee. And he said, we're going to go to the next town and that I can preach there. So they go and he preached in the synagogues throughout Galilee and cast out devils. And there came a leper unto him in verse 40. And he is just beseeching him and kneeling down and saying to them, if thou wilt, canst thou make me clean? These lepers were often abandoned or shunned. They were put in um, communities together because of their disease. So sometimes I wonder how many of these lepers or even some other types of sick people that we read about in the scriptures were left for themselves with no friends, no human physical contact. I, as I thought about this, it reminded me of 2020, right? Our 2020 eyes. And some of those simplest things that we took for granted are now precious to us. Like at church, we would shake hands a lot. And all of a sudden, even when we came back to church, we weren't shaking hands. We weren't giving high fives. We weren't giving hugs to each other. We lost a lot of that physical connection that we all need with each other. And I, I just imagine that these people that were sick for years, people terrified of them, that they went a lot of time without being touched and comforted because of this disease. And I can just imagine this man, like 
beseeching, right? Pleading and kneeling at him and saying, if thou wilt heal me. And I think it makes 41 even more loving. It says, and Jesus moved with compassion. I always love knowing those internal feelings that the Savior had, that he was moved with compassion. He put forth his hand and touched him and saith unto him, Be thou clean. He touched him, this leper that no one wanted to touch, and said unto him, Be thou clean. And as soon as he had spoken, immediately the leprosy departed from him, and he was cleansed. He he asks him to say nothing, but he goes and tells everyone (laughs) because it's hard. It's hard. Sometimes I think when we have those moments where we just know the Savior's hands in our life, it's, it's hard to keep those sacred moments quiet. Um, I'm sure this man was just thrilled to be clean and to be able to have a life again. In verse 45, the last verse in chapter one of Mark, it says, but he went out and began to publish it and make a blaze abroad the matter insomuch that Jesus could no more openly enter into the city, but was without in desert places. And they came to him from every quarter. So this man told so many people that Jesus couldn't even go out because he could no more be openly enter into the city. They came to him from every quarter. How far are you willing to go to be with him or to be healed by him? Are you willing to make that journey? It's not the same physical journey that these people took, but it's still a journey and sometimes it can feel long and hard and far away, but he's there to heal. And I think one thing that's really important as we read about all these miracles of immediate healing is to remember that not everyone was healed. Everyone in the scriptures that they talk about was. But we also learn later after Jesus is gone of a man that had been sitting on the temple steps for years, his whole life. Jesus probably passed him over and over. The apostles healed him, but Jesus didn't, and he could have. And sometimes those prayers of healing for mental or physical ailments are not immediately answered. And it's important to remember that Jesus has purpose and he has a plan for each one of us. And so I hope you can find that in these stories. I hope you can recognize your story in these stories and just remember the faith of these people um, in Simon and his mother-in-law's faith and her willingness to minister and the leper and the, the other people that just showed up. You know, there's there's just like lists of people not even named, just like things. He healed this and this and this, but people that flocked to him from every quarter. So I hope that you'll take time this week to follow that invitation of our Heavenly Father and really hear ye Him and learn of Him and seek after Him just like those in His day. Thanks for listening. Have a great day.